0: Sermon. Okay, now we're about ready to go. Gotta make sure I don't hit it while I talk, right? Well, huh. <laughs> I shalt not interrupt the children's sermon. I don't know. I'll have to give a lesson on that, <laughs> anyways. Welcome again, everyone, and welcome again, everyone online I'm on this first Sunday in the season of Lent. Uh, so, for the next 40 days, We're going to take a walk through the wilderness, and we're going to explore what all that means. We're going to look at the physical wilderness and how that sort of parallels our spiritual journey, and uh, look at that, how it helps us eventually to experience God and find our calling. And it's why you see these vases up here, like this one. Uh, And uh, uh, Caleb, if you could just make sure you get that in the shot there. Uh, we made them. These are what we made last Sunday. If you weren't able to join us after the service, we made these vases and we have a whole bunch of them. Our liturgical arts team has set them all up. They're not just random things. Each part of the vase stands for something. So, the sand here, this stands for the idea that the wilderness has a long history. Dirt, creation, ages past. In the same way as when we go out, We are experiencing, we are standing on a wisdom that is deeper than us, that is greater than us, and that that's part of the exploration of the wilderness. There's also the trees. We use these kind of uh, stick trees. They remind us that in the wilderness that life starts anew, but that we need to let go to start over again, just as trees lose their leaves to, to start over again. And the stones these stones, you can see there's some writing on some of them. When we were sitting in our tables, we wrote our prayer concerns on them. And so those have particular concerns. We think of those as reminding us of the grief, the sickness, the hardships that we go through. And the moss, and this is real moss, is, re- is about resilience, faith's resilience. Moss is kind of cool because it doesn't have roots. And it doesn't need soil. It can grow on just bare rock. And it can survive drought. It can go survive floods. It's amazingly durable. And hopefully, then, when you look up at the bases, they can be a visual reminder uh, to you of the different things that we go through in our faith walks and the different things we go through as we go into the wilderness ourselves to walk with God. And so, because I'm, I'm a believer, and I know I say this all the time, that when you live a life of following Jesus, it is really a better metaphor for me, that I find, is not to think of Jesus as the rock, he is in a way, but to think of Jesus as the guide on a journey, that a life of faith is not finding a rock and sitting there, it's following along in a journey to where God leads us and oftentimes that journey will lead us into places that are unfamiliar, that are maybe uncomfortable, that are challenging, but that ultimately help us to grow and help us to encounter God. I often find that some of the best experiences, at least the best growth experiences, are ones that come in places I would not have put myself. Where I don't know where the ending is, right? Where you're just out there on your own. And that's kind of the plan for this Lent. The idea is that for the next 40 days, we're going to revisit our faith life. Hopefully you can help rediscover your own walk with God, revisit your own place with God in the struggles and the journeys where you don't have an end in sight. Because again, good growth often comes from being in places you haven't been and having to just rely on the Spirit when you do. See, Lent Lent was not originally sort of this heavy, dark, 40 days of punishment, sin, death, hell. uh, And I know that technically it never was 40 days of punishment, but some of the songs that were used and the keys that they were written in, and and like one of the one of our traditional hymns the last line of the hymn is teach us Jesus how to die that literally is the line now the idea that we should have Jesus teach us how to follow him in a life of sacrifice that might end in martyrdom I agree with that but that's a little bit takes a little bit more unpacking than Teach us Jesus how to die. That wasn't how it started. If you went way back, way back into the early church, you would find that Lent was a 40 day process of instructing new believers in what it means to be a Christian. It was 40 days of preparing yourself to be a Christian. And what they would do in their services is, and again, this is when you're, they're kind of meeting underground and in people's houses, and so you didn't just you know, put a stamp on anyone who wanted to be a Christian. There was a process to go through. And you would go to the service, and you would listen to the sermon and the Bible readings, and then right before communion, you would go off for special instruction because you weren't ready to take communion yet but you would hear the Bible readings. And so they picked Bible readings for those 40 days that the early church thought were good readings, good really sort of key examples of what Christian living was like and who Jesus was. So if you can sort of get to pick five lessons to talk about Jesus, these were the ones the early church picked, which is why when you get to Lent, the, the verses that are naturally appointed are not necessarily about the crucifixion or punishment or sin. They're verses about who Jesus is. And so there's a a deep wisdom to that. The whole whole idea of the the fasting and that stuff, that became more an issue in the Middle Ages, that that grew. And I think there is a, a value to fasting and giving up if you do it the right way. You know, if your fasting is an actual discipline, designed to help you uh, focus on your faith and not just picking some random thing that you don't really care about that you're going to give up and so it isn't really a sacrifice, you know? If you say, for example, in your Lenten journey, I'm going to give up um, watching YouTube. Now, don't follow this if you are right now. But I'm going (laughs) to give up watching YouTube. I'm going to give up TikTok. TikTok or however they do it, um, and then learn what it's like to live without a screen, that's a fast. But if you're going to say, for this Lent, um, I'm going to give up White Castle sliders, that's not a sacrifice. (laughs) Eating them is more of a sacrifice, I would argue. Now, White Castle can now sue me. But the the whole idea wasn't just to deprive ourselves so that when Easter came, we, we thought it was, more, it was more exciting, right? That's a little bit of the, I'm going to beat my head against the wall for 40 days, and when I stop, it'll feel good. You know, that's not the point. The point is that you're going through this spiritual, a spiritual wilderness where you get honest with yourselves, you confront your own demons, and I hope re-experience God in an authentic way. And where else do you begin? Where else did the early church decide to begin than with Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness? So let's go to Matthew 4, 1 through 2. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. So 30 years, Jesus worked one job, as far as we know, one job, in his hometown, doing the family business, dealing with all the things of local life and family life and work, and being working class in the Roman Empire, it was hand to mouth, you know. You miss one job, you could starve to death. There was no safety net. So life was a very, life was generally very stressful and fragile, and this is how he'd lived for 30 years. And then he decides, I'm gonna go follow, I'm gonna go see this John the Baptist, I'm gonna follow this calling. So he goes down to the river, he gets baptized, and what's the first thing the Spirit does? Before he does any talking, before he does any preaching, before he takes any actions, the Spirit says, no, you need to go spend some time in reflection. Before I'm sending you out into the crowds, we're gonna take some time to, you're gonna take some time to get used to this new role, and do, have a little bit of a test to see if you can handle it. So, And there's a, real, there's a real wisdom in that, right? Pray first, act later. Pray first, talk later. Meditate on it first, act on it later. Before you make the big life change, the big decision, spend some time praying over it. And just really digest it and let it soak in think about your feelings about it and think about your feelings about it without all the distractions that are hitting you. Because I bet if you think through the decisions that you've made in your life, how many times do we make bad decisions simply because we're making them in the heat of the moment or we're making them when we're really stressed and we're not thinking clearly. And you can, live, you can live your life that way, right? Making a decision under stress, and then you've got all these consequences, and the consequences add to your stress, so then you make more decisions under stress, which give you more consequences, so you're spending your whole life digging yourself out of consequences because you don't ever stop to think. But this is what Jesus is doing. This is what the Spirit's doing. Leading him out a way to have a vision for God. I I thought about this as I was reading this passage. I remembered back when I lived in Washington, D.C. for a year, and I studied with a lot of these Catholic brothers. And I remember they always, when you become a priest, you don't take all your vows at once. I always thought that was how it worked. No, you take them in stages. You have the obedience vow, and then there's a couple others. You know which one's the last one. Celibacy, (laughs) right? That's the big one. You start with obedience. And before you take that last one, you know what they would do? They'd send them off to a retreat center. And I remember talking to these guys like, yeah, I'm going to be gone all summer. I'm going to be gone all summer. I'm just going to sit in the retreat center before I take my final vows. And it's a very biblical way of doing it. I think it's also a way of loss prevention, right? Make sure they really know what they're doing that you've really thought this through. But there is, a, again, a real biblical wisdom to it, to getting away before you go out, and then waiting for that vision of the Spirit to tell you. So this is what Jesus is doing. And he goes out, and what's interesting is he doesn't get a vision, he doesn't, the Spirit doesn't really appear to him for 40 days. 40 days, that's a lot of patience, that's a lot of unproductive time. You wanna figure out a new direction in life or figure out a new call, it does take a lot of patience. I I call it kind of a detoxing, is the best metaphor that I I can think of. And I think our lives are this way, right? We go, 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 right? And I think sometimes you can get going so much that you don't even notice the the stresses that you're carrying. You don't notice the tensions that you're carrying until you stop carrying them. And it's when you stop, then, then, then it's almost exhausting. When you go running ragged, and then you finally stop moving, the next thing you know, you're sleeping like a bear in November. And it can take a while. It's why they say as good advice that you should take two weeks of vacation, at least in a block, because it can take you the first week to detox, to stop thinking about it, stop worrying about it. And it's in the second week that you enjoy yourself. It's why they say you should take two days off in a row, and stress can build up after a while if you get one day here and one day there because it can take a lot of your first day off just to unwind. I find that, you know, I, there were times I would get, get take off, and I tend to take off Fridays, and I'd take off Friday, and I'd sit down, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to read this morning. Yeah, that would go like 45 minutes, and then boom, I'm out. And then I realized that, the, okay, so then i try to read and I sleep away the day and it's by the time I get to dinner that I'm finally relaxed because I gotta detox all that stuff the next day I'm finally ready to go to Lowe's and buy the home fixing materials and get back to work because that's how you rest but it's this idea of detoxing I really think it is important you know and this is what Jesus is doing he's leaving behind that old life but before he begins it he needs to go through a transition until there's really nothing left but what God has for him. So, let's keep going. Matthew 4, verses 3 through 4. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every one does not live by bread alone. But by every, come on, you know, you remember this camp song? <laughs> Word that proceeds from the, does nobody else remember? Allelu, alleluia. Oh, you guys need to go to camp, man. <laughs> I had to bring camp here. We need to light a fire out there and sway back and forth. Your life is not complete. I got that song stuck in my head, so now you get to enjoy it too. All right, but this is the first trial. Why is this trial such a big deal? Because it will test if Jesus is going to use supernatural powers to overcome the suffering caused by human weakness. Will he eat and drink with the disciples? Will he eat and drink with sinners and tax collectors who give him invitations? Will he put himself in a position where he has to rely on the goodwill of others for his sustenance, or will he just magically conjure up food? And would he really have taken those invitations from the sinners and the tax collectors, knowing the risk it was if he could just say hocus pocus and conjure up a a ribeye with a emulsion and, and a souffle with a reduction of broccoli Do you know how it is on the Food Channel? The fancier the food, the more the prepositions. This is a something on something with a something of something. Prepositions make it fancy. You know, so instead of a burger, it's, this is an emulsified pork product compounded upon a gluten-compounded thing with an emulsion of seed and tomato paste. Anyways if you can do that why be hungry? Why be hungry? Who Jesus is and what he does is going to depend on whether he takes that path of weakness or whether he goes the path of magical power. If he uses the power, he won't be the Jesus we know or the Jesus who did the things he did. This is one of those lessons that really shows wisdom. When you are willing to not use power because when you're young and you can you do it you think you can conquer the world right if you could if you could if you could make that, if you could make your crush love you you would If you could wave a magic thing whee, you'd make you'd make crush. you would do it you know if you could make people obey you you do it And you believe when you're younger that the world would be a better place if just everyone shut up and listened to you and did what you said. You know, and you you could tell your, your, your parents, you could tell your parents that your younger brothers would be so much better behaved if only you did things the way you told, you made them do what you want them to do, and if only you forced them to do things differently, they would totally behave and listen to you at the children's sermon. So what do you do? You leave town and send them into the wilderness of watching their brothers by themselves, <laughs> to be tempted to use their power and understand that with great power comes great getting up in the early in the middle of the night and being annoyed. <laughs> so much of the essence of wisdom is confronting the limits of your power and learning when power doesn't work. And so much of good power is not using it. So the next two temptations will also follow along the same lines. Will Jesus use his power to short circuit the work of living like a human on earth or will he literally try to conquer the world? Now he doesn't, he he says no. He doesn't give in to the temptation to think that he can fix the world with force. But this really is a hard thing to do, to let go of thinking that you can force people to change and force people to believe and force people to be better. You have to accept that the path that God has laid out will probably not involve you forcing anyone to do anything, but instead will involve you not using power. And think about this, this is one of the first Christian lessons the early Christians wanted their new believers to hear. That Jesus voluntarily gave up his power, that he went without and he faced temptation and he didn't give in to the temptation to use it. He went out to the world and he put his faith in God and he trusted that God would provide for his needs. Now Jesus' template is admittedly a hard one to follow today you and I go without food for 40 days, we'll be dead. And I'm not just going to go walking out into the national park and say I'm going to sit there for 40 days and wait for the angels to, to take care of me. I'll be dead and the park rangers will be removing me. And of course, putting God to the test kind of means I'm not listening to the story very well. But I would totally recommend detoxing from where you are and spending time just letting go of the tensions in your body, the tensions in your soul, that never-ending anxiety about getting everything done and what you have to do next and allowing yourself to sit with God without an agenda other than letting God speak. And I won't say it will be easy. For me, it's not easy. You know? What ends up happening is you're gonna go through phases, right? First, you're still thinking in your head of everything that's going on. Then you get really bored. Then you can't get that song out of your head. Right? Every time I go hiking in the woods, there's one song that takes me half the hike to get it out of my head. And, uh, but then after a while, eventually, you start to see things more clearly. And this is something that we really don't do enough of taking time to get away to help make decisions in life and figure out what our path is from God. But the beauty of being away is that you're not being influenced by anything, one way or the other. It's just you and God. And the voice you hear is the voice of God. As you begin your wilderness journey this Lent, whether it's 40 long days or whether it's just a regular period of examination at regular intervals, just sitting and waiting to God for God to speak, I promise you it will open up amazing things and open up a whole new sense of your calling of where God is leading you. And that is often where the Spirit is found, in simply following where God is leading. Amen.